Isn't it nice to see each other? Nice to see Rev. Lord's got some good things in store for us tonight. I was thinking um, about this passage. Well, I, I mentioned, um, you know, I shared Saturday about uh, the need as a people to move to getting our direction from the unseen and really uh, being allow ourselves to be weaned from the need to see before we move. Right? How many could benefit by really uh, putting more stock and more value in the things perhaps that God has spoken yet are not revealed at this point? And I was talking to my brother today and he mentioned something. Um, <clears throat> he was, I don't know how we got here, but he, was, he brought up about Wayne Gretzky he was a hockey player. Is he from Canada, Nathan? Is that right? Where's Nathan? Yeah, most of them are. You know something about hockey? He's probably one of the best ever. Is that right? Anyone know anything about hockey? Yeah. Yeah. Kurt. Thank you. But what my brother said was, um, he said, uh, now Wayne Gretzky was good because he, he once scored, I just read this, 92 goals in an 80 game season. That's a lot of goals, that's one and two goals per game. But what he did, he said he, he, he skated to where the puck was going, not where he saw that it was. And that's why he was successful. And I think as a people, we limit ourselves and we limit God when we always are focused on what is presently seen rather than what's not seen. And so let's, let's keep that in mind tonight, the need really to, to take our direction from what God has spoken, what he's revealed, what he's taken the cover off and shown to us personally, that yet is not obvious, but we put our weight in that. Can we do that tonight? Lord, help us to, be, to, be, um, to allow ourselves to be weaned from the need to see before we move. In Jesus' name, amen.
Good evening. I, uh, I was thinking of a scripture during the praise that um, in the end of, uh, I think it's 1 Corinthians 13, the chapter on love, the end of it is we see through a glass darkly. And, um, and I'm, I, you know, I'm acutely aware of that. And a lot of times when I get up here or somewhere to speak, I realize that, you know, we see in part. And uh, I, I have an aversion to debating doctrinal positions. Uh, I don't, and I know some people don't, they like it. Um, I've never seen it. I've seen it done peaceably, that's better. Uh, and I've seen it done unpeaceably. And, uh, but I've never actually seen that as the way through the forest. I, I, I am sure that every one of us sees through a glass darkly and we see in part. I think what is beneficial is that we respond to what resonates in our hearts when we hear it. In uh, in in a fifty-minute message or whatever, and that that wasn't a projection. I don't know how long I'm going to speak, um, but um, I love to tell the girls if the service goes over an hour and a half, you know, they, they want to know what's going on and. <laughs> Historically, and of course, we, I love to talk about how many hours some of the older ones sat through conventions. Older ones here, you know, and uh, we've got wonderful stories. I notice those stories don't necessarily have a profound effect and um, ins inspirational move to, you know. Uh, <clears throat> But in a 50-minute message, you're, you, might, you might get 50 minutes of something you, stuff you resonate with. That's rare, I think, probably. But if you get five minutes, if you get 10 minutes, if the Spirit just quickens you and speaks something to your heart, it's worth it. Um, and hopefully you don't have to be bored to death in the process of that five minutes. And, um, but um, I, I think we all see in part, and, um, and it's not just preaching. It's just that in our walk, we all still see in part. And how important it is what Richard said the other day about being sourced from an unseen realm, particularly when we're, we're walking together, because every one of us sees in part. And we don't, you know, when we're in different stages of our lives. And um, I'd like to tell you, um, you know, that every one of us is in, in a level of warfare to become what we're called to become and and we we are very acutely aware of our incapacity to become and realize that that it's a, a work of the spirit of god and someone was saying something um uh, i listened to a message and um i'm gonna change the names to preserve the innocent and the guy's name was sydney 
<laughs> anyway, I listened to a message and, and he had heard another message and said at home they're getting sick of me saying, we can't do this. Guess who said that? Anyway, and, and the aforementioned preachers said, even though they're getting sick of it, I'm going to keep saying it. So preacher number two, Sydney, said, I'm with the people at that location. <laughs> and I could go on and on about stories of, of comparative doctrinal positioning. I just want to say what's important to us is that you know, our unity is the only unity, the only unity that I find in the word is the unity of the spirit. That's the only oneness. That's the only way we walk together is because we yield to the spirit of God working in our lives. And um, so all of us are in part and it would behoove us to uh, dispense the kind of mercy that we've received. And... Um, you know, it says in Exodus 11:3 that um, God gave his people favor in the sight of Egypt. And, you know, they went down to Egypt <clears throat> because of Joseph. And then, uh, you know, you know, the funny the, the line we're familiar with, you know, it was a new Pharaoh that knew not Joseph. Right. And and so they came into ill favor with the Pharaoh and, and they cried out, you know, all this and God showed them great favor. And uh, I want to read a scripture in Psalm 106. Uh, I, I don't know if it's I think it's David. I don't know. My old Bible would tell you who said it. This new Bible doesn't tell you, but I'm doing something wrong. It's what? Yeah, I think the wind wants me to speed up. Okay. Um, Psalm, Psalm 106. Am I breathing? Or? I'm not supposed to be breathing. Um, no? Okay. Verse 4. Psalmist says, Remember me, O Lord, with the favor that you bearest unto thy people, O visit me with thy salvation. Then I may see the good of thy chosen, and I may rejoice in the gladness of thy nation, that I may glory with thine inheritance. We have sinned with our fathers, we have committed iniquity, we have done wickedly. You know, <clears throat> let me stop there for one minute. The way the writer is talking is really important, and, and you see it in Daniel. And I wonder if we could consider that around here in our fellowships, wherever they are, in this one and others, is that it would behoove us to use the word we. Sometimes we're extremely uh, accurate in pinpointing others' problems. But Daniel, hey Amen. let's close in prayer. It'd be more comfortable for me. It's my jacket? 
My collar? No, it's not that. It's our app. It's our app. It's our app, but it's not. I don't know why. Real fun. Is that what that means? Yeah. RF. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Daniel. Daniel was a high watermark in the Bible. I guess we all know that, right? Um, he's named with uh, Noah and Job and Ezekiel. Even if those three guys, you know. And Daniel, you know, we know the story. He never, he never, you know, he refused the king's meat. He, he, he got favor in the kingdom because of integrity and, and, and what he displayed. He went, he didn't change his plans when it was, uh, you know, going to be a problem to him. He ended up in the lion's den and all the stuff we know. I mean, you can't find a lot of problems that Daniel had. But Daniel, they're in captivity and Daniel had this, this standard of godliness and, and holiness and all that and they're in captivity. But when he turned to the Lord, he said, we have sinned. And I thought, wouldn't that be a better way to pray about what goes on here? Lord, we have trouble, and and uh, not they have trouble, but we have trouble, Lord, and we would like you to move on us. Anyway, the psalmist writes it that way. <clears throat> in verse seven, our fathers understood not thy wonders in Egypt; they remembered not the multitude of thy mercies. And I thought, boy, boy, is that something? Is they they didn't understand why they were in the multitude of those mercies. Why God had favor towards them. And I thought, how, boy, how important is that, that we don't miss the point of the favor and the mercy that God has brought us into because um, <clears throat> we, you know, we, You know, God has given us a great provision here. I could say unequivocally that God has shown us mercy over the last 40 years in providing a place for us in the middle of, you know, a wilderness and whatever, however it's been carved out. But what's the purpose of that? Because I think it would really behoove us to have an understanding of why that is, that he did what he's done. And why he lifted me out, and, and, and I, I liken it to being in a cattle chute when I look back on my life. Where I kept trying to bump into the sides, you know. 
I didn't decide to follow Jesus. I was really conducted along in such a way and, and moved on so many times and, 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 and kept by the intention and purpose of God. And, and uh, why, why was that? And, and the, the writer says, you know, um, our fathers didn't understand what was going on. And uh, I don't want to read the rest of this. It's a good chapter, but they didn't get the message. And, and um, even though there was a demonstration over and over of wonders and saving, and, and it was difficult. There, there was difficulties out in the wilderness. But God was, was keeping them and, and caring for them. And, I mean, it's, a, it's an amazing picture um, <clears throat> that you can read. And... Someone mentioned the manna the other day, and I think I mentioned quail or something. I, you know, but there was an amazing provision um, that God made for them, but they didn't understand. And so, um, in Second Timothy one nine, Paul's talking to Timothy, be not ashamed, verse 8, of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus. And... <clears throat> I think those two words, boy, I think they're important words to put together, purpose and grace. Because I think the grace has an, a, a purpose that is so significant for us. I think uh, the grace of God, the favor that we've been given, has a, a, a very profound intention uh, mixed in with it. Further, it says, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6, 1, uh, receive not the grace of God in vain, and if you go through the whole chapter, uh, I'll, I'll go there. I don't, I don't have it written down. I mean, I have the reference written down, but I don't usually like to read all these scriptures. But it, <clears throat> you go through the whole chapter, and he's talking about what he's going through and what they're going through, and but the whole point, he starts it as workers together with him beseech you to don't receive the grace of God in vain, and. And he ends up at the end, 14 through 18, he says, Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. What fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion, light and darkness, Christ and Belial? Uh, what agreement, the temple of God with idols? Um, and then verse 17 and 18, it kind of like capsulizes the very... It answers the, the first verse. Don't receive the grace of God in vain. And in verse 17 says, Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you and will be a father unto you. And you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. The intention of God in, in giving us favor and in giving us grace was actually to separate us out. And what is of the greatest significance that's that should be going on in our hearts. It wasn't the separation of, of uh, moving long distances and all that. that. That was, we needed to act that out and want that out apparently. But really, I think the, uh, the, it's been more now narrowed and focused in that God's intention was really to separate ourselves 
from a source of life that this whole world lived on and bring us into another source of life to separate us unto himself. That was, and if that's not going on, the grace of God is being dispensed in vain. And I think that's so important for us now at this point in our walk. Because God has given us favor. And what really should be going on in our hearts is, and I want to make this distinction tonight, is not constant self-examination by looking in the mirror. Because you and I don't know how to rightly divide. But what should be happening is saying, Lord, can you visit me afresh today so that I might know your way and what you're thinking about what I'm doing? Uh, Moses, um, before I talk, we're going to talk about Moses in a second. Titus says, the grace of God has appeared to all men. Um, that we'd live soberly and righteously and godly in this present age. And because his purpose is to redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people. Zealous of good works. That's why the grace of fear. To separate out, to purify, that's separate unto has to do with the word holiness. A peculiar people. And that peculiar doesn't just mean peculiar, though we qualify. It means beyond what's ordinary. I was talking to a guy, a brother on the phone, and he did something. And I said, well, that was kind of you to do that. I said that to him. Because it was beyond what was ordinary. And, and he said, well, thank you. So I had to say, well, I'm just talking to the Christ in you. <laughs> I didn't want to get too flowery, you know. Um, okay, but when we look at Moses, right? In the famous chapter in Moses, we're talking about Moses. Well, Moses was quite a character, quite a character and uh, individual. The, the relationship he had with God. And um, it says in Exodus 33, it seems as though Moses got something right. It said, if, if I have found grace in your sight, show me your word. And he said, if we haven't, I better read, I'm going to read it because I can't quote it exactly, but. Uh, well, yeah, and, and 11 says, The Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaks unto his friend. And 12, And Moses said unto the Lord, See, you say unto me, <laughs> I love this exchange. Because bring up this people, and you're not let, you're going to let me know whom wilt thou send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, You've also, and you found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me thy way, that I may know thee. 
that I may find grace in thy sight and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, my presence shall go with thee and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, if your presence don't, is not with me, don't please, Lord, don't carry us anywhere. Don't carry us up. If your presence isn't with us, if your grace isn't overshadowing us, don't take us anywhere, Lord. And I think that's happening in our, in our hearts individually. Lord, it's not, you know, this thing about works and not works. I wish we wouldn't, I wish men and women wouldn't polarize over that issue. The, the issue is the source of what we do. That's the central issue, the source. There's lots of stuff that happen, happens around here. What God is narrowing down is the source that I live by. And, and he says, this is the reason I've got grace. If I have found grace, let me know your way, Lord. What's your way? And, and how many times have you run up with your own way? And it's embarrassing uh, to count how many times you run with your own way and it doesn't work, but you do it again. I was, I was half asleep uh, a couple weeks ago in, I was in bed and this word recidivism kept ringing in my head and I didn't, I don't even know why. Like sometimes when you're half asleep a lot of weird things go on so you, just, you don't always know what's happening. But anyway, when I woke up the next morning, I had to look it up because I wasn't certain of it. And it, and it means habitual repetitive offense. And I said, oh. You must have sent that word to a wrong person. It must have been somebody else that needed this. And um, one of the most discouraging things that, that happens to us is when there's a re habitual response that is my own response. The difference of response is the pronoun, right? Own. Is that a pronoun? Karen, you're, who's in English? Own. I think it's a possessive pronoun, right? We <laughs> have a room full of teachers. I don't know. It's, or it's, a, it's an adjective? Okay, possessive adjective, right? Okay. All right. His is a pronoun. It's his way or my way is a possessive pronoun. Okay. Um, but the most discouraging thing that happens is when there's recidivism working in our lives where there's a, 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 a repetitive response somewhere that is just coming out of me. And, and the great thing that happens is that, that the, the Spirit of God will convict you if you can be sensitive to it. That's a great benefit that we have, that the Spirit of the Lord will convict you and show you that, and um, I don't know how many times you've got to do it till you're tired of it, or, um, uh, let me read something, if I, I don't know if I have it, it's a paper by um, somebody really spiritual, I think it's Oswald Chambers, maybe I don't have it, I don't know.
I don't know. It was from December 8th. Because um, sometimes I read Oswald Chambers, if you can imagine. <laughs> he says it better than me. Sorry for the delay. What? <laughs> Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh. The cost to your natural life is not just one or two things, but everything. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. And I thought, man, that is, that is, um, that's quite a, a bar um, where we really, it's functional in our lives that we are not our own. I am his. And what that means is I'm not my own in the sense of my own thoughts, my own words, my own purpose. I've been bought. I'm his. And what God's intention is to, what, to come out of me functionally in this life now is him and not me. And that is, um, if I had to summarize, that really is the purpose and grace and, um, of God for us. <coughs> Moses um, seemed to have a hold of this. And, you know, he, the people provoked him so. And I, you know, I sometimes think that you've got to talk to you know, and go to different places and people want to talk to you and um, they want, they ask you hard questions. <laughs> I said, someone wanted to have me over on the last trip. I went over to Allison. I don't know if they'd studied for two weeks to come up with about half a dozen questions that they knew I didn't have the answer to and nobody in the universe did except God, I suppose. And so finally I said that. <laughs> I said, I said, I think you know I don't know. Uh, anyway, I, I crack jokes anyway. Um, but you know, Moses said, went to God, and, but I, I, I think about that, but then I thought, Moses, you know, it says 600 men, so if half of them were married, that's 900,000. 600,000 men, if half were married, but probably more than half, that was 900,000. And if the, the half that were married had one kid, right? We're up to 1,200, right? Or something like that. And they probably had more. So let's say one, I don't know, it's over a million people easily, right? And I wondered, Moses went to God and he said, this is too heavy for me. <laughs> I thought, well, that's, that was probably an understatement, right? <laughs> and he has that one time where he gets provoked and he hits the rock when he's supposed to talk to it. 
And, and, and God makes it look like for that, you're not going in the promised land. That was your, that was your one chance, Moses. And I think that's a misproblem interpretation. I just think they were under the law. And all the law could do, it couldn't redeem. All it could do was show sin, right? And the penalty of law is death. But I think Moses knew the purpose and grace of God. And then, so you find him in the New Testament in a few places, right? But Luke 9, I know. He was up there on the Mount of Transfiguration. Somehow, I think Moses got in. And I think maybe it's a picture that the type and shadow was not so important as the real. And because the real was to be in the presence of God forever. That's the promised land, right? Abraham, I am your exceeding great reward. It wasn't the, the, the ground that they walked in. It was, a, it was union with God that called them out to, to separate them. I think Moses is there. And, and there is a distinction, I think, between the type and shadow. We used to get very excited about the types and shadows, but I think, uh, and some guys still use them and stuff, but I think really uh, what is exciting to us is, is, the, is the real fulfillment of all those types. The real fulfillment of, of, of what was just a type and a shadow. The real fulfillment of the tabernacle of Moses. It had three compartments and it's talking about right here that God wants to live. It, um, that's the real fulfillment. And in the feast, uh, the, the real fulfillment was in, in, when they had the, uh, um, the Feast of Tabernacles was three parts, right? The, the Feast of Trumpets, where they blew the trumpets. And I remember Joe McCord always talking about a clear trumpet sound. He'd get up at the convention, talk about the clear trumpet sound. And, and, and yes, there, there, there was such an unveiling of revelatory um, uh, messages from, from the Lord to people. And, and it moved them, inspired them, and got them all out. And... and, and, and um, uh, but I think we've moved on now. I don't, I mean, I don't mean we're going to quit preaching or the trumpet isn't sounding. It is, but I think actually we're in the next part of the Feast of Tabernacles, which is the Day of Atonement. Because the Day of Atonement was that, you know, once a year, we know the, the, the whole program, the high priest going in and sprinkling the blood and bringing the goats out and all that. And, um, but the whole point was it was a day of rest that you afflicted your souls. And all that means is that experientially, the real fulfillment of atonement experientially is that you and I quit living out of our soul. That's what it means to afflict their souls. And they would burn incense that would be a sweet savor to the Lord and it would cover the mercy seat. And you know what, that, that incense, if you look through the Bible in a few places, Revelation 8, I think, and Psalm something, 141 or something, that the incense is the prayer of the saints. The prayers of the saints that go up. And it's not just prayers, but it's the offering that's a sweet savor to the Lord. And, you know, I thought, what am I... I find myself talking sometimes. 
And I, I don't call it prayer, but I'm talking to somebody. My wife is faithful to confront me if she hears it. I don't think it's, it's not necessarily a confrontation. It's concern for my mental health, I guess. <laughs> but I found a great scripture in Jeremiah 44, 17. It, and it says, uh, it's a negative thing about incense. Let's see. Um, verse 17, it says, but we will certainly do whatsoever thing goes forth out of our own mouth to burn incense unto the queen of heaven. <laughs> Who's the queen of heaven? Is that you, honey? I just thought it was. <laughs> I can, so sometimes I make the mistake of reading commentaries in case they have some little insight about the Queen of Heaven. The Baptists believe the Queen of Heaven is the idolatry that occurs in the Catholic Church with the Virgin Mary. Because one of their prayers, they call her the Queen of Heaven. The Catholics do not believe that. They said that in Jeremiah is not referring to the Virgin Mary. Is okay? Neither of those things particularly helped me. The Queen of Heaven is when your soul is ruling over you. You're burning incense to the Queen of Heaven. I wish it was a little more dramatic. Someone, it could be a great rock song or a movie or some, something, I don't know. The Queen of Heaven. It's just when our soul is ruling over us and we're burning incense to our own way, our own instincts, our own reactions to. So there is a cloud of incense that needs to go up and it's prayers, it's our offering. And it's the Day of Atonement was a day, a Sabbath. You can read all this in Leviticus 16. It was a Sabbath of rest. That you afflict your souls and do no work at all. And it's a statute forever. And it's reflected also in Isaiah 58. Where it says, when you call the Sabbath a delight. I'm going to read it. I'm coming to what I, I really would, I'm coming to encouragement. So just hold on a few minutes. It's um, 58. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shalt honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words, 
Then shall you delight yourself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high place of the earth and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob. The mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Um, what God's talking about there is that you and I being delivered fully, fully delivered. From just living out of what's our own. You know, people don't get along with each other. I know that's revelatory. But you know, we can get along. The only way we can get along is when we allow the Spirit to separate from us our own way, our own opinions, our own words. And that's a process of growth. But there is a true unity of the Spirit. You see this, the concept of a community. That's, we did that. But the whole point was, can we walk together in love? And the only way for that to happen is for the Spirit of God to work on us, to separate us from, unto Him, out of me, out of what I, my own, my own words, my own reactions, my own analysis. Um, and I think the great litmus test, and I, I'm gonna, the last thing I'm going to look at is in Hebrews 4. The whole chapter really is important. Because it's all talking about entering into God's rest. For we which have, verse 3, we which, we which have believed do enter into rest. Verse 6, seeing therefore it remains that some must enter in, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Again, he limits a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time as it is, today, if you'll hear his voice, harden not your heart. For if Jesus, and that's not Jesus Christ, that's Joshua, <clears throat> when he brought them into the promised land. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not have afterward have spoken of another day that there remaineth, therefore, a rest to the people of God. For he that has entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. And this is the workings of it. For the word of God is quick or living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. You see, what it's saying is, uh, the labor, therefore, to enter into the rest is to um, get a hold of, believe, come in contact with the word that is living. 
It's not a self-analysis or constantly looking at yourself to better yourself. It is to say, Lord, where are you today? Where are you in this? That's what the offering is. You present yourself and you say, here I am. There is no creature that you don't see. I was praying the other day. I said, Lord, I'm not going to tell you anything about myself. You already know it. It did occur to me if he's omniscient, I don't really have to reveal something special about myself. <coughs> this rest, there remains a rest for us. And what that is, is that it remains still this ground of inheritance that God has called us to, that we've got to lay hold. It's a ground of ceasing from my own works. Not works. My own works. Let me tell you, the other side of this is there are works that you are foreordained to walk in. That's what Ephesians says, right? For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourself, lest, not of your own works, lest any man should boast. But you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. There are good works for you to walk in on any given day. It's not just a taking away of my own works. It's a going forth into what walking and experiencing what his works are. And perhaps too many of us withhold extending of ourselves with one another. I think if you say, God, if I found grace, show me your way today. Can I run into somebody that might need something of encouragement? Or, I mean, that's what the offering is. Lord, here I am. And I got to tell you, the most encouraging thing that I've experienced is when you have a sense that there was a divine meeting and the Spirit of God used you to encourage somebody else just to make contact and there was a true meaning. Something that was beyond what is ordinary. The community has never ever been the structure. The church has never ever been the structure. It's always been the meeting, the joining, by the Spirit of God of the saints <laughs> in love. It's always been that. And I'm, I'm about to encourage you in such a profound way, you may not be able to stay in your chairs. Verse 15, it says in the same chapter, but we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Verse 16, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. 
I guess you missed the encouragement. I just, it struck me the other day reading this chapter that I come to the throne room of grace for a lot of stuff. But you know, I think the throne of grace, the grace of God, is really specific. The grace of God is there for you and I to actually functionally walk in rest. The reason that verse is at the end of the chapter, I, we pray for all kinds of things. We ask for all kinds of things. But really, the intention of God was that you and I would stop, would cease from our own works and say, Lord, if I found it, can you show me what your way is? What do you want out of me? That's what the offering is. What do you want out of me today? And if you fail, you get up again. Because it's a throne room of grace. It's a throne of favor for you and I to actually come into ceasing from our own works. There are so many things that I've said that I wish I could take back. And it just doesn't work. Once it's out, it is out. But there is grace to cease. So if you're having trouble ceasing from your own words, or from resting, and I am. Go boldly to the throne of grace. But Lord, can you give me that favor that you've given your people to find this rest that you call me to? That it would be a reality. A reality in our lives. Lord, we have sinned. Lord, we have struggled with this. Lord, actually, we still are. I am. So, Lord, I'm coming to your throne again. Find help here. Amen. and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to Him be glory both now and forever. And the grace there is right, divine influence upon our heart. And hopefully there is growth. Um, the influence, you know, the divine influence upon our heart is growing. If you cannot, um, it's a, it's, it takes a lot of effort and a lot of work to focus on resting and not uh, exerting your own way, your own will. We hear a lot about it. But when 
when the, the divine influence upon her heart is growing, it will displace. I don't think we'll have to worry about our own direction and taking our own way or anything that is self-sourced. As, as, that, as we give place to the, the divine influence upon her heart. That's there now. There's an influence waiting, <laughs> even now, that can direct us if we will only but yield to the divine influence. What's the divine influence upon your heart <laughs> suggesting now? <coughs> Lord, help us tonight. Very good. Thank you, Lord, for this, uh, this charge, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the vessel. We ask that you would go before David in these coming days, Lord, at the convention. Anoint the word that he's carrying, Lord. Continue to keep him, Lord. We ask you for the, for the preparation, Lord, for the convention, for all the ministry there, that you would strengthen, Lord, and keep your hand upon him. Um, we ask you, Lord, for unspoken requests tonight, Lord, the burdens that we're carrying. You would touch those, Lord. That the divine influence would move on every area, every burden of our heart tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.